This program was broadcasted and recorded live from the LSCR studios in downtown Conroe, Texas. Lone Star Community Radio is supported by listeners like you. Donate and sponsor today. For more information on getting involved with Lone Star Community Radio, contact us at lscrstudios at gmail.com or visit us online at www.irlonestar.com. Good afternoon, everybody, and thank you so much for joining us on the Cindy Cochran Show. We're so happy to have you, and, uh, you know, we're on so many different platforms. Um, but you also could uh, listen to us on the community radio of uh, 104.5 or 106.1 FM, and um, as long as you're in the Montgomery County area, we're there for you. And if you drive in the woodlands, all of a sudden it goes Spanish, and you go, "What happened, everybody?" So, uh, you you've got, you know, at least in thirty minutes, I guess, in the drive time. <laughs> so, so sometimes it's hard to guess how many people are listening because you on the radio part. But anyway, we have the uh, podcast, the uh, the live streaming, and you know, the Cindy Cochran show is live streamed three days a week. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and that is all possible from our sponsor, the Wooten Financial Group. We love Chris Wooten, who's the uh, he he's the the guy it's named after. So he's the guy that you have to you want to talk to, you want to meet with, and he'll do a kick the tires meeting. He says with with everybody, and uh, so you'll know if you can work with him. He can work with you, and y'all uh, get to know each other. But he is uh, the financial planner that you would like to have on your side. He's been doing this 21 years, so he's doing something right. And, you know, and he's still in the same building, so he hasn't you know, been kicked out or anything like that. So he's, uh, he's a good guy. And uh, you know, I told you, Sam, Sam loves this guy. In fact, he was meeting with him this morning at 930. And so um, and, and he, I know he loves whenever Sam comes in because Sam has plenty of questions and uh, stories to tell him but it is um, but Chris Wooten is a great guy and once you uh, start talking to him and, and understand the knowledge that this guy has about all the stuff that's going on in the financial world and so he's the guy to call anyway on the screen you'll see Wooten Financial and um, the phone number that you can call and uh, make that appointment but the other thing that I'm so excited about today is that uh, I started talking about it, but I didn't know I only had like two more minutes to talk yesterday uh, and about my my guest, my very, very special guest is Kenny Noble Cortez with an S. Uh, so anyway, I'm I'm having him. He's he's having to wait in quiet. Kristen, quiet. You're going to be quiet. And then. And then I'm gonna where I'm gonna say, okay, Kenny, you ready? You ready? But I, I'm, you know, this way I can tell some stories right now on Kenny, uh, without Kenny, you know, he can't say anything, uh, because he's been told to be quiet. But anyway, I, I love the the history that we have, and I was like 16 or 17 whenever I met Kenny, and the next door neighbor, Mary Kalo, had a boyfriend named David Eckenrode, and David Eckenrode and Mary. Uh, were boyfriend and girlfriend and but Kenny would always come along with David because they were best friends and so David wanted to get rid of Kenny so he said 
I got somebody I want to introduce you to. So he introduced him, him to me. And I live next door to Mary. And so um, that's how Kenny and I, you know, met. And we saved David and Mary's relationship, I guess, because we um, they got to be alone <laughs> once in a while. But anyway, uh, he's a great guy, a most amazing guy I think I've ever met, besides Sam. But he's so, I mean, it's just amazing his story and we're going to talk about that and he's has a he had a number one book on uh, on amazon and uh, i didn't know it was for an hour hour i said you have a number one seller book on on amazon i found out it was for an hour so we're going to talk about that as well during that hour uh it was uh it was really exciting and i'd only i would only concentrate on that hour and every time i tell talk to somebody i say i have a number one selling and then I'll just stop the conversation there but of course now I've told the you know I've told on it okay Cindy if you could have just stopped talking when you said I had a number one seller that's all you had to do Kenny Noble Cortez we are ready now to hear you see you touch oh, you I was great. gonna say Hi. touch you <laughs> okay so, Kenny um you're on the big screen now and I'm on the little yes. screen and so that's okay though because I would uh, I certainly bow to your expertise your history and all the time you've had on radio all over the country and I mean nationally and not just within a you know a five block area you are you are some big deal let, well, not really I'm not a big deal but but, yes, uh, but let me give you my resume in uh, under 30 seconds okay uh, uh, born in Tampa raised in Houston. Um, my mother uh, immigrated to this country through Ellis Island in 1939. And, uh, and my, my dad is from Portland, Oregon. So um, once I uh, got into radio, we moved from Houston to Bryan College Station, Bryan College Station to San Antonio, back to Houston, then to Chicago, then to Los Angeles and from Los Angeles to Seattle, Seattle back to Los Angeles, Los Angeles to uh, uh, Miami, and Miami to Denver, Denver to uh, Georgia, where I'm retired and living living the good life now. Yes, uh, here in the North Georgia mountains. So it's been uh, it's been quite a life. Um, uh, uh, that is that is why where I get my my uh, my name uh, Cortez is from my mother. Uh, I did half my career with my dad's name, Noble, which is my legal name in this country. But my legal name in Latin America is Kenny Noble Cortez because that's because the custom is to put the uh, mother's maiden name last. Really? So there you go. Oh, yeah. I right. learned something. That's great. That, I see. Um, I thought it was your dad's was Cor Cortez, and you were Kenny Noble, and I didn't know how he got. Or why you added him on the end of the of the name? I just, so now I find out that your mom's name that was your mom's right. maiden name, and Cortez. Mom was from uh, mom is from uh, or was she she passed back in ninety nine, but she was from Bogota, Colombia, and uh, and of course uh, immigrated like I said to this country when she was twelve years old uh, through Ellis Island back in nineteen thirty nine. And by the way, legally. All right, let's say that up front. Legal immigrants. Yes, legal immigrants. <laughs> I love that. That's right. And I'll tell you what, it's funny because you 
you I wanna let, you came back twice and when you were you had met Kay and you and Kay were married and and you were then in uh, LA at that time uh, when when you first got married is that when you moved mm-hmm. to LA well, uh no moved no uh we got married uh, in 1971 and moved to Chicago in uh, 1977 was there for less than a year before moving to LA in 1977 and then was there for a couple of years before I got fired, which is, you know, that just that's what happens in broadcasting. You know, it's like you're you're listening to your favorite DJ one day, the next day all of a sudden <laughs> there's even no mention of them. It's like they it's like he was abducted by aliens or she was abducted by aliens. Or, or they something. go to country music and you go like, yeah. Wait, what? That's a rock station. <laughs> What's going oh, on? Oh, tell me no. Tell me he didn't go to country music. <laughs> oh my goodness. No, but um, but I you were country. you were on, on the the love station. In California, is that no, where you were? Love. Well, there was a love station in Miami, Love ninety four, and that was a smooth jazz radio station. Uh, in uh, L.A., I was on uh, KZLA, which became a country station, and then uh, and then I worked for a KHTZ, which was a, an adult contemporary, from eighty one to eighty five, and in eighty five, I I got my dream job. Uh, as morning host of uh, KLSX Classic Rock for Southern California, so that was a, that was just an awesome time. That's I mean that's really that's so funny because uh, the story that Kenny and I share is that uh, once he moved or once I think you'd gone you were in the military right. Or, I uh, went to the uh, Air Force Academy. Air Force Academy. In nineteen sixty, uh, well, nineteen sixty-five, and then I I left the Air Force Academy in nineteen sixty-seven, uh, on honorably. I, it was really hard to quit, but I quit because I didn't I didn't think that that was the life that I wanted to live, and it was really hard to get out of there. But I did. I got out of there and then served my there my remaining four years of my military obligation uh, in the Air Force Reserve. And the cool thing about that is, is that I was able to serve with my dad, who was a uh, who was in the Air Force Reserve, and we both served from 1967 to 1971 at Ellington Air Force Base. They're right outside of Houston, so it was it was pretty cool that I was able to serve with my dad and go to uh, uh, weekend meetings uh, with him, and also two weeks in the summer. We were we, we were an alternate Army Air Force uh, uh, unit. And so one year we would go to a to an army base like uh, Fort Sill, Oklahoma, and then the, the the next year we would go to an Air Force base, uh, like um, uh, what is it? Uh, in, I forget the name of the Air, air Force base now. That was in, I think it was Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, but uh, but that's what we did, and we were able to travel together and and enjoy each other's company. Uh, Man, that's for, amazing. For four years. That's yeah, it was pretty cool. That's fantastic. And now, y'all, y'all, I didn't know you were such a military family. Like, you know, I, I knew that your son had gone in the military. and But I didn't know about your dad being in the military as well. well dad you. dad was a navigator, a bombardier navigator uh, uh, on a, a B-24 Liberator during World War II. And he flew 29 missions over Europe and then came back home. He was only 19 at the time. Um, when World War II started, he was 
16, so he had to wait until his not his uh, 18th birthday before he could join the military. And he joined the U.S. Army, and the U.S. Army became the uh, United States Air Force in 1947. Uh, so, so he was in the Army Air Corps from uh, 1943 to 1945 till the end of the war. Um, well, it was it was some. I guess I I can't remember. I remember meeting. I met your parents, and it wasn't at their house. It was somewhere, somewhere else. They were out, and I, I think I met them then. Then, and when when. Uh, Kenny was Catholic, and um, <laughs> I was and I was going to the Church of Christ, uh, and uh, my mom was pretty dogmatic about things, and she oh, yeah. said, yeah, she, "I remember your mom. <laughs> I remember your mom very well. And when I would come to pick you up for uh, an alleged date, I mean, I don't remember what we did so much, but uh, but uh, I would knock on the door, and whenever I came to see you." Uh, which was as frequently as I could manage back in the day. Uh, uh, your mother would say, "Well, you know, you're going to hell, don't you?" And I, <laughs> and, I mean, just as just as calmly and as unemotionally as you as you could say that. And uh, yes. I would laugh and say, "Well, no, I don't think so." But uh, and then it changed the subject. But uh, but she was always good natured about telling me I was going to hell. So I really appreciated that. <laughs> That's her good nature about it. She uh, she wouldn't let me date or go out with anyone unless they went to church with us first that was kind of the the criteria and and so i told kenny that he was going to have to come to church with us and now kenny mom they're pretty they were pretty strict catholic and so he was worried about what his mom was going to think about him going to the church of christ and um and so when he when he uh she wasn't we thrilled went. about it. She would say, you know you're going to hell, don't you, Ken? <laughs> you go to the Church of Christ, you go to hell, <laughs> You too. go to the Church of Christ. <laughs> you're well, doomed. No can, I, can I tell the story? Can I tell the story about what happened? Oh, yes. Uh, because because you were a, you were a devout. I, I'm not, I don't know, I'm assuming you're devout now, but, yeah. but the, back then you were a devout member of the Church of Christ. And, uh, and let's see, in 1978, uh, Kay and I, Kay, my wife, Kay and I were living in uh, Santa Monica, and um, and and Kay was instrumental in converting me to the to the Church of Christ because because she was a member of the church and because we had had the discussion about uh, if we ever had kids back when we were engaged. Uh, I said, "Well, they're going to be raised Catholic," and she said, "No, they're not. They're going to be raised in the Church of Christ." <laughs> and I just went, "Okay," <laughs> because that was that was a battle I didn't want to fight. Uh, and so, and so I became a member of the church and then I became a, uh, then I, because I was interested in music, I was a song leader there at the, at the church in, uh, in South Houston, uh, at the main street church of Christ. And then, uh, when we moved to Los Angeles in 1978, uh, uh, I, I was, uh, I was a song leader leading, leading music there at the Santa Monica Ch uh, church of Christ and who walks through the door, but, uh, Cindy, Robinson, and I was shocked. And as, as I as I'm assuming, she, she, you were shocked yes. as well to see me up there at the podium leading uh, singing. Uh, and so uh, and so that, that I mean that was just that was that, I mean the, the look on your face, it, your jaw dropped, and of course my jaw dropped too at at the time. And so we weren't able to get really caught up until after the service. So there was this awkward time of 
you know, half hour or so before we were able to, to talk to one another and discover exactly the, the story that, uh, that I had to tell. And so it was, uh, I don't know, that was just ironic in a way. Ironic. It was, was like, it had to be uh, God decided on that so that he made, he made me feel like I walked in and went, oh, I converted him. And it was, <laughs> I remembered when we, when I got him to go to church and he was so nervous about it that time and we're sitting there and I leaned over and I think, asked him like, okay, you know, you know, the Lord's prayer, right? And he like, like I know what? Do I know what? I said, well, they'll have to ask you to stand up and, and say it. I was just kidding. I was just pranking. I, I, I didn't mean it, but it was like you got so nervous about, no, wait a minute. I, they're not going to ask me that. I can't. I can't. Do, I, you know, and I said, don't worry about it. It's, it's going to be fine. I told him, no, I was just kidding. But I, I took his hand, and his hand was so sweaty because he was so nervous about it. I felt so bad. I really felt like my mom probably had you had no idea what we did in the church of christ if we were going to jump up and down and run up the aisles and all that stuff and and uh, you just didn't know what to expect and when i've taken people there you know as guests i'll i'll always start with you know, okay they'll ask you probably just to get up and say a prayer and that's it and that's all you have to do and i go what i don't know how to say a prayer no what are you talking about but um but you were so you were so sweet you stayed and and your mother didn't, you know, kick you out of the house or anything like that. And my mom, I hope she quit telling you you were going to hell because yes, you, she did. She, okay, you have a sweet mom. She was very sweet <laughs> uh, when she told me when she told me I was going to hell. I'd never been told that in a, in a sweeter voice. So, <laughs> so, That's so no, but I mean seriously, seriously, you have you, you have very very sweet mom, and I really uh, I grew I grew to love her. She was she was really sweet. she's so sweet. Well, I I tell you it. When I when I walked in that church and I looked up there and saw him on stage and I kept thinking I that's that can't be, but it's got to be you look just like any noble I said it's, so after it was over and I and I walked up and I said do you remember me and he said yeah Cindy and um and so I said what are you doing here and he says well I'm married and I've got my wife uh, was a member of the church and so I you know I decided uh, that's like okay we're gonna do that and so she walks up she's so pretty and she's so sweet and bouncing and so you know really uh perfect for you and uh I said thank you so much for converting this guy and getting him in the right track <laughs> and he's not going to hell now it's so exciting so um she was precious and yeah, this she is... was, and let, let me let me give you let me give uh, your viewers an update too. Yes. Um, uh, Kay passed a year ago Thanksgiving, so this past Thanksgiving, I mean November twenty third was the first anniversary of her passing, and she had uh, uh, brain cancer, and that's um, that that was what uh, affected her uh, greatly. We didn't expect that. We moved to uh, North Georgia in April of twenty twenty, and. Um, I, she had been experiencing some numbness on the left side of her body and I had insisted that she go see a doctor and, uh, it, I, I held her to that promise within two weeks after we moved here and, uh, there in the parking lot of the uh, doctor's office, which was located at the hospital, uh, she had, uh, she, she had a, uh, she had a stroke. And that was that was just the first time anything like that had ever happened. And the doctor told us to immediately get over to the ER, which we did. 
and the after a CT scan that the emergency room doctor said that uh, she and he showed me the scan and there was a golf ball size uh, tumor there oh. on her uh, right uh, parietal and uh, he said we don't have the kinds of neurosurgeons that, that you need here so we had to go to Chattanooga so she went immediately in an ambulance to Chattanooga which is about an hour and a half away from where I live and then they the next day they decided they were going to operate on her and they did and they removed that and so the the, the rest the rest basically is 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 history I mean went through a long period of, of trying to uh, to uh, heal that and it it, it kind of worked but then uh, it, it just got out of control so Anyway, so she passed uh, a year ago, uh, Thanksgiving, and I'm just grateful that that because we got married. I mean, she was very young. She was when we decided to get married. She was 17 years old and, wow. and a senior at the Dobie High School, and I uh, and we we got married about six weeks after she turned 18, and we were married for 51 years. I was going to say 51 wonderful years, but any marriage that's that long is going to have ups and downs. And sure, have ups and downs. of course. And I and I chronicle most of those ups and downs in my book, Culture Jock, which I had carried that title with me for most of my career because I thought if I ever want to write a book, it's going to be about the culture shock that my family uh, experienced as a, uh, uh, as a broadcaster in a very... Um, a secular uh, part of our culture, right. which is broadcasting, and uh, which I'm sure you're you're well aware of that. So it was very hard to to, to be a uh, a leader in my family to go to, to attend church and to have kids and to try and raise them up in the church and also be a be a member of the broadcasting community. It was it was a uh, it was a challenge, and so the, all of that uh, and maybe more is in is in my book, Culture Job. But here's the thing that you didn't explain. And this is what I think, you know, few men could have done. I mean, I'm sure, I know there are men that have done the same thing, but it just, it astounded me. You were, you kept her there at the house. She was in a comatose state, correct? Yeah. Now, uh, what happened was um, she had, uh, she, there was, we, we had to go to 30 radiation and chemo treatments. And on number 28, uh, they turned her away and they said, your blood, uh, your, uh, uh, blood pressure was too low and they, they couldn't, they couldn't do the radiation on her. And so, and they said, go to the emergency room when you get back to your home. And so we did. And it, it turns out that that her uh, her white cell count was down to like zero. I mean, it was like nothing. And uh, she had to go to the to the hospital to get a, a transfusion and of platelets. And platelets aren't usually just hanging around because they mm -hmm. they only have a twenty four hour uh, shelf life. And so they had to call in uh, platelets from some other hospital in the area. And, and so that was at night. And then she, she said this, and this was right when COVID got started. And I, I had to wait out in the parking lot for everything. And she, she said, look, just go home, take care of our cats. We had a dog and a cat and, um, and I'll call you. It'll probably not be until the middle of the night before they, 
before they uh, are able to get the platelets to me. Well, I did get a call at 1.30 in the morning, and it was from the emergency room doctor. And the emergency room doctor said, you better get down here right away. He said, we, we, uh, your wife uh, had a cardiac arrest, and, uh, and we just got, uh -huh. her, uh, got her heart beating again, which it took 10 minutes to do that. And so um, after 10 minutes uh, of not having uh, any blood to the brain, it was as if she drowned. It was exactly as if she drowned, oh. and and uh, she was uh, so, so she was in ICU for two and a half weeks, and then they said there was nothing more they could do for her, and so they said they suggested hospice, and they gave her to me to, to uh, uh, put her in hospice, and uh, she was a complete quadriplegic, complete. The only thing that she, the only thing that she could move were her eyelids, and she was mostly catatonic all the time. And, and so, and I, she stayed in that state for uh, two years and three months when I was her caregiver. Uh, and then, uh, that's amazing. Uh, Kenny. Yeah. And then, and then that was all she, that was all her, her, her body could, could take. And uh, she mm -hmm. passed a year ago. So it was, um, it was, it was like one long day. And I think any, any caregivers in your, in your, uh, uh audience will, will relate to that. Being a caregiver, I mean, it's just a, a very uh, demanding job. Right. And it was, I had to take care of every, every need, every need. And she, um, I had to clear out her trachea, uh, every, I mean, uh, four or five times a day. Uh, I had to suction her trachea because um, she had, one of the things they did when they, when she was in the hospital was that they, uh, they, they, they cut a hole like they would in a smoker. Uh, so she could so she could breathe properly, and uh, and put in a uh, they, did, they put in what's called a, just a trait, and uh, then and I also had to feed her uh, through a, a, a tube that was attached to her to her tummy, and and that required and then I had to you know grind all of the medications so they could so they could inject them into into her body and and, and I mean it was just that, that's but just Kenny, what it was that was that my life. That was, I mean, the love, you know, the, the definition of love, you know, would have your picture next to it, but it would be the the depth of that love, the width of that love, that you did all that. You had no idea how long this was going to last. This was, you I know, had like. Hope also, I had, of, I had, I kept of course. hoping that she would snap out of it. Yeah. Um, uh, and that never occurred. And. But you gave everything that you could do, and uh, and so this Thanksgiving, for the first, uh, well, the year, and the t day that this happened, uh, Kenny told me that they lit a candle because you heard learned that in grief, uh, in the grief share. Grief yeah, share. That, I, I attended the thirteen weeks of grief share, which is a, a national program and is usually available at at many churches. Probably one in in uh, in in almost every you know com community of size, and it was a 13-week program, and it was a good program because I was I took the course with about 20 other people, and uh, the, and it, we all shared similar experiences. I mean, some had lost children, some had lost their spouses, some had lost parents, and and uh, and so and so it was it was good to be able to be uh, surrounded by people who were encouraging to one another, and then there was a special. Uh, grief grief share seminar just uh, two weeks ago, where I said uh, surviving the holidays, 
and uh, and I went to that. And one of the ideas that they uh, that they gave me was to light a candle, um, and then perhaps uh, put it next to a, a special uh, picture of the departed. And uh, we did that. I was at my daughter's house in the in the southern part of the state, and we we had a candle lit. Um, all during the, the the three days that I was there, uh, and it was just but especially on Thanksgiving, and right next to one of our favorite pictures, and it just reminded us when we were in the living room that hey, I mean she would have been a part of this, and so it was it was great to just remind us that her presence, uh, to, to remind us of her presence, right? And I thought that that was I thought that was a very special idea that they had come up with, and it's it's a very simple one too. But I, uh, I was, I was grateful for it. I, I love that. I thought that was, you know, a, that was a great idea, and especially, it helped, and it was, it, it was exactly what you like you needed, and you're going to all the right classes. You're doing all the right follow up, but it doesn't, does it help? Have you got skills that they've given you to help you get through grief or? Or does that all come from your faith? Grief is something that most of us will experience at some point in our life. And I can tell you right up front, you don't, you don't get used to it. Um, and the, 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 the pain of loss, after, I mean, we were married 51 years. We grew up together. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the, the, the loss was significant. And uh, it doesn't take much to trigger um, emotions, a picture, a, a song, you know, um, or just looking in the closet and seeing something that, that that was very special that she wore. I mean, things like that. I mean, and now I've since I've since gone through the closets and I've got I've, I've given away most of her clothes, and that's a, that that's a that that was tough. But yeah. but I gave them away to our to our daughter. We have two daughters and two sons. Oh, that's great. And, and uh, the daughters were, they, they took most of the stuff. And then whatever was left, I donated to the good, to Goodwill, which I'm, I know Kate would have approved of. Oh, she, sure. <clears throat> excuse me. She donated a lot of stuff to, uh, to Goodwill. So, um, you know, it, 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 um, it helped on the holiday. But I, it, there's nothing that can take away uh, the, um, the loss, mm-hmm. really. I mean, they say time heals all wounds. Well, n- not really. Uh, I mean, I I, I actually uh, endured more emotions, sad sadness, on on Thanksgiving, the, the anniversary of her passing, than I did for the first six months, uh, because it was just it was just such a shock to my system. And then uh, and then as time goes on, the reality of her never coming back really sinks in. Oh, brother, I, yeah. I think that that I think that that's that's true for anybody who has suffered a loss uh, as significant as that. Right. But sometimes you feel like somebody's diminishing your grief and all that by saying, "Well, now you're going through this stage and then you'll go through another stage and you know and all that." But it's it's you have to get through it the best way that you can and and people telling, I, what's the worst thing that someone comes up and says to you about about losing Kay? 
like like you you wish they would never have said that or really i mean well let's look rather than look at the worst thing let's look at the best thing (laughs) the best thing you can do when you are confronted with someone who has experienced a significant loss in their life it's just to hug them i mean hug them tell them that you care and and or maybe that you that, that you'll be praying um but you can't fix it and there's nothing that anybody can say that can really make you feel better about the situation you know like oh she's in heaven looking down on yeah. you and yada 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 yeah we all, all try that that, 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 that that doesn't work mm-hmm. um what works is is just a genuine hug mm-hmm. and just a look of of uh caring i think because because there's nothing that anybody can really do so that's what i would recommend as opposed to trying to make the person feel better you're not going to do that it's not going to happen true no that's no you're exactly you're exactly right and well i find out that uh, kenny has written a book and i'm not in it but um he told me he said you read it (laughs) yeah well you want to um you want to write i mean you want to write the forward was it the forward or the backward what which one did you want me to write (laughs) you want me to write a review um the forward i was very blessed the forward was uh was written by richie fure uh richie fure is a founding member of the buffalo springfield and also a uh, founding member of Poco, and uh, I uh, I approached him. I, I'm not I wasn't his friend or anything, but I was. I, I, well, I was his friend on Facebook, but we had never we had never met personally. But I asked him if he. I just asked him if he would like to write the forward to my book, and I sent him a copy of my book, and uh, and to my surprise, he said yes, and that he experienced many of the same things that I talk about in my book in his own life mm-hmm. and so i think that's that was the that was the overriding reason why he decided to write the uh, forward in my book which i really appreciated and then i had uh, some friends uh including um including uh the author of the daily bible uh, uh lagarde smith uh write um a review of my of my book and uh and also an individual uh, who I worked with, who was responsible for putting um, uh, Sirius XM on the map, Dave Logan. So uh, Dave wrote a review also of my, wow. uh, of oh, those, my, uh, of my book. Yeah, those are m- much more than, than me doing it. No, I think at, at that time, it was either uh, the stroke or the operate the uh, quadruple quadruple bypass that I had that I was saying, you know, like, because you're saying, like, it don't feel like you gotta rush this it's you know just you know you're so sweet about me not being able to get to it to do it i, I hated not being able to do that because i wanted to write a review you know well you know and, and i i asked several people who were unable to do that uh, including yourself and i really appreciated you know your response as i did the others but it's not for everybody i mean because it does require some effort and uh and you have to have the time and and you were distracted i mean legitimately so by your own health and that comes first yeah true thank you're so sweet i'll tell you though but it, it is it's amazing to write a book about your life and to choose the different you know episodes in your life that would that's caused you to be the person that you are and and all that and what you went through that's that's really 
difficult, I would think, because you have to do a lot of self-examination. You want to go like, now, how much do I want to really put out there? Did you go through that? Um, I did, and I pretty much put everything out there. <laughs> uh, but but let me tell you, let me tell you a little secret. Um, uh, uh, what you'll notice if, if you if you if you look at the book, it says by Kenny Noble Cortez, and then it says underneath my name in smaller letters with Nicole Donahoe. And uh, Nicole was, I mean, she, in in the uh, uh, in, in the world, she you refer to someone like that as a ghost writer. Mm-hmm. Well, what a ghost writer does, and I can tell you right away, is what I would do is I would I would have uh, I would have mental notes about what I wanted to talk about in a certain chapter, and she would call me, and then I would just talk off the top of my head. I would I would I would say everything about a uh, story, uh, all angles, everybody involved and in my own uh, way. And she would write down everything. She was like a court reporter. Mm-hmm. She would write she would write everything down pretty much exactly as I related it to her. And then she would send me that copy. And then and then when I saw the copy, I would then rewrite what she had written into into prose form so that uh, it was something that was, you know, uh, in my style and also wasn't so, you know, jumbled all over the place. No, well, you, uh, well yours was, I mean, your style was very conversational. It was good, you know, like, you, because I, I remember started reading it and going like, he really is a writer. I mean, he's, <laughs> this is really what, how did he learn this? I don't know. You know, well, I, 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 I didn't I didn't really learn it. I mean, I I, uh, I had education, uh, certainly and, uh, in uh, verbal skills and uh, in the, at the Air Force Academy. And I, I liked the English language. I liked I liked it. But my dad uh, was a, an extremely uh, capable writer. And I think I inherited some of that. Uh, because I mean, and my granddaughter has also inherited that she could write books. I mean, in the in the third grade, she was amazing. She is amazing, and and uh, and so, so I think some of it is hereditary. But I enjoy writing. I enjoy, and, and in fact, when I worked for the K Love Radio Network, uh, the last seven years of my career, I worked for K Love and Air One, and I was working in news, and it was the first time in my career that I worked uh, assignment-based instead of on a clock or, or as a DJ where I had to be somewhere, you know, at every moment of the clock, there was something I had to do. But with assignments, it was like, well, we gave you an assignment and then I had to go research it and write it into a story and so forth and, and record um, sound bites and, and or video bites right. for the story. And, and that was that was really challenging, and I really loved doing it. It was great because I wasn't tied to a clock. I mean, I had a deadline. Yes. Usually the deadline was five or six days hence. <laughs> so it was it was a lot of fun to do, and I talked to a lot of interesting people and, and recorded a lot of different people and was able to write to my heart's content. And, uh, and it, wasn't, it wasn't until I didn't start writing the book until I was a caregiver. And in my spare time, uh, what I, I would be in the next room, Kate mm-hmm. would be asleep, and I would 
I would write my book. And, uh, and it came out. I wrote it in less than three months. It would. It all just kind of flowed out of me. And so, you know, that's what they say. If it ta- takes that, you know, the shorter time means it's probably the best that you've written, because it really does. It, it's coming from the right place. Now, you you had, you know, laid out some things that you had done that were wrong, and you were like, was that, you know, therapeutic? Was it confessional? Was it, you know, what? How did you feel about that? Well, it was both, and course it's a little it, it, it's embarrassing to talk about but 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 it's the truth and that is the uh the, the temptations um and the pitfalls of a career in broadcasting are many and uh, i was in constant company of of uh, not only um uh people who weren't necessarily church oriented mm-hmm. let's put it that way Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was constantly being invited to uh, to concerts, to uh, to parties, um, to uh, uh, events where uh, the last thing on anybody's mind was was worshiping God. And so that was <laughs> that was a good enough. way to put it. Uh, but then, but then, as as a DJ, I I was approached frequently by uh, callers. Um, uh, on the on, on the phone, who who were doing everything they could to seduce me, and uh, and and that that was that was difficult. That was challenging uh, because they often sounded nice, and <laughs> uh, and it was just you know it was just it was it was a tough experience uh, to get through. And uh, and unfortunately, I, I made the mistake of. Uh, of meeting a couple of those people, and I wish I'd I wish I'd never done that. Uh, well, well, that you you know you're right. People uh, that call in and that build you up, and make you feel like you know you are it, and uh, you are making their day, their year, and they just they just want to be near you, and and could they meet you in person, and all that stuff. So you you have to go through that, and uh, and resist it, but it's you know, especially for well, guys. The, I don't the, think uh, I've ever had a call like that. Have we ever had a call? <laughs> Have you ever had a call? Um, no, Richard has never had a call like that. I can so. tell you that the the, uh, the most difficult time was when I worked. Uh, I did the morning show at KLOL right there in Houston. Mother's family. Uh, that was 1976 and 1977. And when I first came to work for KLOL, I worked the 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. shift and. Uh, I would follow uh, Ed Beecham on the air, and after me at 2 a.m. was was a disc jockey. The, the, the names were cool. Uh, Emil for real, what a great name that is for Emil a DJ. for real, yeah. Emil yeah. for real. He was on from two to six, and then um, uh, there was a, let's see, there was um, uh, I, I think I got there just after Jack Smack left the station. And uh, and Jack Smack had the had the uh, what he called the Jack Tuck, where he tucked in people in bed, and so it was, <laughs> I mean I mean it, 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 it was it was progressive radio station. It was a fun time in mm-hmm. in, uh, in radio, and I enjoy I enjoyed it very much. But there were but between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. there were a lot of lonely people in Houston, and and uh, some of them would call me up uh, just to keep from being lonely and so 
and because it was, I played more music than I did talk, mm -hmm. I had more time to talk on the phone. It's like a sleepless in Seattle type of thing going on. Kind of. Yeah, kind of. Did but, you see uh, that movie? Yes, I did. Wasn't Tom that? Hanks. Yes, that was, uh, that made everybody go like, oh, radio's so cool. That's just so cool. It was just, <laughs> that's how, how it happens. And it, uh, but people can fall in love with your voice and they think they know you and they, and then uh, maybe you don't look exactly what they thought you'd look like with oh, that voice. <laughs> and so, so they go like, oh, you're, you're the same one, right? Okay, let me close my eyes. Okay, you talk to me? Okay. No, no they wouldn't say it that way. They would say, oh, you sound so much taller on the air. You know, it, you know, and that was like, is that a compliment? I'll take that as a compliment. I'll try to. Uh, or they would say, you don't look anything like you sound. Well, gee, thanks. I really appreciate that. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? That just, yeah, really? you, have to, you have to ask them that because, yeah. um, no. I, and But your voice is totally the same. It just remains so strong. And I was telling you because I'd, I'd listen back to whenever we do these, we do our, our shows and listen to them on uh, YouTube and I go my voice has gotten so weak and I felt like within weeks I would be sounding like this and I'll tell you one thing I'm not, you're all going to hell but I I, I, I just felt like um, that you know it's weakening and um, so I, I didn't realize you have to strengthen your voice but your voice sounds great you sound wonderful and so well, you're thank you that's very nice of you to say that I, you, I feel like I've been blessed my you voice still have your radio voice. Very little since since I mean really no. since my twenties. So I feel I feel very blessed with that and uh, and fortunate. Un unfortunately, I haven't done much with it um, since I've been retired. But I'm I'm looking. I, I have begun again to uh, try and do uh, voiceover work, which I've got a studio as you can see right here. Right, this is my right. Oh, that's and, cool. Uh, and I do a little bit of voiceover work, but I'd like to do a lot more. But see, if you if you live back in Houston or in uh, Conroe, you could have your own show, and you could be, uh, you know, making everybody call you up and and uh, say. Is that a job? Offer? So I, I'm sure <laughs> Richard would love it. In fact, you could take the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday that I'm on, and say, please that? let let him wow. be on first. But uh, no, you'd have a job. You'd you'd be able to come in and. Uh, and get this, uh, you know, community radio is, what? Oh, three, oh, I just got a three-minute mark. Okay. All right. So I've got to wrap it up and uh, and tell everybody, how do they get your book? Tell them how to get okay. your book. Um, all you have to do is go to uh, Culture Jock, C-U-L-T-U-R-E-J-O-C-K, culturejock.net. And uh, that will be how you... Uh, can get my book or you can just go to amazon and and search uh, kenny noble cortez culture jock number one and, uh, the, the only thing i will say and this is a disclaimer is that when you go to amazon and if you, if the first thing you put in is culture jock well you're, you're going to get more than than my book you're going to get <laughs> you're going to get all kinds of jock uh, images that aren't necessarily, you know, uh, uh, G-rated. So um, I, that's just a forewarning. Yes. That, uh, that you type, that you search my name, Kenny Noble Cortez with an S, 
and and then write culture junk and then you'll get the book and you can you can the uh, there's digital hardcover um available and also the uh, the soft cover which is i recommend yes and and uh, we have it up on the screen i think that uh, he has your um you know your website and that we have that's up there yeah i put a link to where you can buy his book to his website and his social media in the description very cool. good Thank Richard. You, Richard Richard's there for you supporting you all the way uh, I am just so glad you took the time to join us and I know you've got a you've got an open mic he plays he's such a triple quadruple threat because he he uh, now they're playing the music now I've got to go okay anyway Kenny Noble, thank you so much. Have a great uh, open mic tonight and enjoy that. And I just want to say uh, thank you to all our first responders. Every We want to end the show always with thanking them. And, of course, our sponsor, Chris Wooten, Wooten Financial Group. Kenny, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. And, um, okay, guys, go call somebody you love. Every week, people ask the same two questions. Are they ready to retire? Will their savings last for their lifetimes? Hi, this is Chris Wooten with Wooten Financial Group. Our firm has been in Montgomery County for decades, but the hopes and dreams of the people we serve never change. We help answer these two questions and many more that people have about their uncertain financial future. We have a simple introductory client experience that allows us to get to know the client and includes a few meetings for the client to kick the tires at no charge. We provide a concise, one-page summary that helps the client get a better handle on which questions are the right questions for them. To learn more about Wooten Financial Group's process in helping their clients to a clearer financial future and to see their contact information, visit Cindy Cochran's show page on IRLoneStar.com forward slash TCCS. Wooten Financial Group is a proud sponsor of the Cindy Cochran Show. Wooten Financial Group is available by phone at 936-449. 5952 or visit them on the web at www.wootenfinancial.com. That's www.wootonfinancial.com. This program is sponsored by the Wooten Financial Group. It is not the intent of Wooten Financial Group to render or offer personalized investment advice or financial planning advice through this radio program or any related website. Wooten Financial Group's participation in this program is limited to providing general information on financial matters and should not be construed as financial recommendation or investment advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Game Plan Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission and the State of Texas. Insurance services are offered through Wooten Financial Group, Inc., Game Plan Advisors and Wooten Financial Group, Inc. are affiliated through common ownership and neither firm is affiliated with The Cindy Cochran Show. No listener should assume that any information presented and or made available on this program serves as the receipt of or a substitute for personalized individual advice from Game Plan Advisors, Wooten Financial Group, or any other representatives. Bell Institute, a 501c3 nonprofit, began in 2014.